What is the point of prayer? And specifically to talk to this idea of Yehiratsan, which is discussed in Hasidus, which means literally there should be a will. And it's interpreted in Hasidic writings that a will should be created. That there is an idea of, so to speak, creating a new will on high for prayers to be answered. So first of all, let's start with the basic message, a point. What does Hasidus have to say about davening, about prayer? And um, the answer is very, very important. And the answer is, to quote the Baal Shem Tev boy, God desires the heart. It's very, very important not to allow ourselves to get up, get caught up in the philosophy of prayer, in the mathematics, in the, in the cause and effect, how it works, and what levels, what levers you pull and what strings, what buttons you push. Prayer is a spiritual engagement between a person and a Kaddish Baruch Hu that's based on faith. That's, it's that simple. We talk to God in the belief that He listens, in the belief that have a relationship with Him, and in the belief that there's an inherent value in engaging with Him, both for the engaging itself, as well as for the blessing that it could bring to us. But the blessing that it brings to us is not like a person putting his ATM card and withdrawing money. It's, it's a, the blessing that we receive from God is God. In other words, when a person prays, and God Almighty responds to his prayer, and gives him what he asks for in what he receives, he's receiving God. And that's very, very much a part of the prayer. And it's very important not to start philosophizing about the logic of it and the, uh, the, the intellectual complications that lie in it. Because after all, we want a relationship with God. And if we get so caught up in the math... Even if we answer all the questions and you know, dot all the I's and cross all the T's and figure out how prayer works and how the levers are pulled and the buttons are pushed and the flow of benevolence from heaven reaches earth, we preclude, we exclude ourselves from intimacy with God because it becomes an exercise in intellectualism, which is a big mistake. Instead, prayer needs to be heartfelt and sincere and simple. When a person prays, doesn't walk into the shul and pick up a prayer book and say, okay, does God listen? Does God care? Can God respond? Can I affect His will? You pray, period. You open up your heart and you talk to God and you approach Him with a sincerity and with a faith that there is credibility in what I'm doing, there's purpose and worth in what I'm doing, and conceivably even that this engagement will actually better my life material in a way that I will be able to observe. But the basis of prayer is that I bring my heart into the shul and not my mind and my calculator into the shul. Now, there is a wonderful idea which is mentioned in Tanya about prayer, which in a way puts prayer on a pedestal above Torah learning and the performance of mitzvahs. In other words, according to the Mishnah, Judaism is divided up into three poles. There's a study of Torah, the performance of mitzvahs, and prayer. So it says in Tanya that there's something about prayer which exceeds the other two poles. 
And that is that the whole point of prayer is that it should change the physical world, that it should bring us health and parnosa, material blessing, and so on. In other words, when a person studies Torah and his life doesn't change materially, he's done what Torah study is about. When a person performs a mitzvah and doesn't change the world, and the world does not change materially, he's done what the mitzvah is about. When a person prays, the whole point of prayer is that something should change in the world. And of course, what Hasidus observes about this unique place of prayer in Jewish religious life, that the point of prayer is to actually change the physical world, is that it's much, much more in me having my prayers answered. In other words, a person has a need, he needs health, he needs panasa, and he prays to God Almighty. So obviously he wants health, and he wants panasa, and he wants all the other blessings that we are in need of. But when his prayer is answered, in that manifesting of the blessing materially into this physical world, he's actually revealing God. Which explains a very, very interesting phenomena. And that is that at the holiest and the highest moment of our prayer, we ask for physical things. You know, one of the questions the Hasidus asks is that prayer is like a ladder that begins with Moidani and Baruch Sha'omar and Bechaz Krishma and Krishma. And the highest moment in one's engagement with God is when he's doing the Amidah, when he's praying, uh, standing upright, when he says the 18 or 19 blessings of the Shemona Esrei. And it's odd and it's strange that at that high point we ask for material things specifically. And the answer that Hasidus brings is we're asking for material things not only because we need them, we're asking for material things because this is the ultimate connection between God and man that we can see God in the world. And the healing and the benevolence that we experience in our material lives is actually an expression of God that's so complete that it reaches the physical level as well. And that's the concept of prayer ideally, that we not only connect to God Almighty, and spiritually engage with Him, but He engages with us to such an extent that we don't only experience Him in our mind, in our heart, in our soul, but we experience Him in our body and in our world and in our lives as well. And of course the point is that there's different qualities to prayer. There's different echiyas to prayer. A person can daven, can pray on a variety of different levels. And the effectiveness of that prayer, in other words, the ability for the prayer to affect the change in the world is in proportionate, if you will, is, is, is in concert, is aligned to the quality and the intent or the intensity of one's prayer. Because people can pray on different levels. And I'm going to share with you an insight which is found um, in one of the Rebbe's talks about Rosh Hashanah that enlightens this idea just a little bit. The, uh, the Tanakh, the scripture tells us that Hannah was childless. And she came to the Beis HaMikdash to pray. And uh, the Tanakh, the scripture describes how she prayed. Sfaseha noiz, her lips were moving. Her voice could not be heard because she was, she was speaking inaudibly. So the, the leader at that time, the prophet, the high priest, whose name was Eli, approaches her, 
and accuses her of being drunk. And she responds by saying, I'm not drunk, I'm bitter. Yayin v'sheichel, I'm not drunk. I'm very bitter. I am pouring out my soul before God Almighty. So when Chana says to Eli, I'm not drunk, I'm bitter, and I'm pouring out my heart before God, Eli is very satisfied. And he says to give her a beautiful blessing, and he tells her to go home, and almost promises her that her prayer would be answered, and her prayer is answered, she has a son the following year. So the questions are, that are asked is, if Eli accuses her of being drunk, and she says, I'm not drunk, so since when is a drunk qualified to say they're not drunk? So the Rebbe has a wonderful interpretation. And what he says is this, if you were to go to another human being and engage him in conversation, and you want something from them, you would speak reasonably. You talk in a normal voice, You'd measure your words. You wouldn't repeat yourself. You wouldn't shout at them. You wouldn't scream at them. And you wouldn't act in a way which would push them away. So if a person is engaged in a conversation with God Almighty, it should be the same. When you talk to God, you should talk to God as you would talk to another human being. Reasonably, God can hear you. And He can make the decision if He wants to respond to your prayer or not. If He chooses not to, He won't. If He chooses to, He will. Don't scream at Him. Eli sees Chana praying, and at that time, that was not a conventional way to pray. Later on, she, the Gemara says that she invented how we pray. But at that point, um, the way she prayed was atypical. It was not normal. And Eli says to her, you know, as they say in Yiddish, free improvement gutens. Before you scream at him, talk like a mensch. Why, why is she mumbling and muttering and crying and not speaking coherently? If you're talking to God, talk to God. You would talk to another human being. So she responds by saying that I'm very bitter and I'm in a lot of pain and I'm pouring out my soul before God. So the Rebbe says, people have different needs. And the, the depth of one's needs are not always equal, right? A person wants a car. They can live without a car. But if a person wants food, they can't live without food. And one of the deepest needs that a human being can have was to have a child, as was Chana's need. And the Rebbe argues that deeper things you can request from a deeper place and more superficial needs or wants you simply cannot ask for as deeply because they don't touch you so deeply. And there's a line. Until a certain point, the requests that you have are reasonable and when you engage with God Almighty, you engage reasonably. Beyond that line, the things you need touch you so deeply. They come from your very deepest place. So you cry out. You don't speak reasonably. And God Almighty responds in kind. And this is the exchange that Chana has with Eli. Eli accuses her of being incessant, and being hyper, and being hysterical, and calling out to God Almighty. And she says, I'm not hyper, I'm not hysterical. I'm crying about the kind of thing that comes from the deepest levels of the neshama. So Hasidus says this, that the quality of one's prayer, the depth from one's innards, from which one cries out to Hashem, first of all, you can't cry out from a very deep place for a very shallow want. In other words, the deeper, the more important something is to you, 
the more genuine, the more depth you can invest in that. And reciprocally, the response from HaKadosh Baruch will be equally deeper based on the degree of depth you invested in the prayer. And accordingly, some prayers are not as effective as other prayers. Some prayers, especially when you're praying for things which are, in quotes, not that important, not as basic to a person, you ask for them from a more superficial place in yourself. You ask for them in a more reasoned tone. And the likelihood of Hashem responding and the nature of that response will accordingly be measured. But when a person is asking for something which comes from his very deepest depths, in other words, when a person asks for something which is literally his entire purpose for existence, which touches the very essence of his existence, because the cry comes from such a deep place, so the reciprocity, the reciprocation is also coming from a place of this greater depth. And Hasidus labels this delineation with the word bracha and tefillah. Hasidus labels this delineation, at least basically, with the two words bracha and tefillah. Bracha means a blessing. And tefillah means a prayer. In this particular context, the difference between the word of blessing and the word of prayer would be the following. According to Hasidic thought, when a person makes a blessing or asks for a blessing, what they're actually asking for is something they're entitled to. They're entitled to it because God gave it to them in theory and it needs to be brought down into this world. Or they're entitled to it because it's not, it's not irrational, it's not um, unexpected, it's not more than they deserve. So when a person asks for a blessing, there's two ideas. One is you're asking for something reasonably, reasonable, and it's reasonable that you should receive it. But you're not creating anything new in the will of God. Because the way a blessing works is that before you ask for the blessing, the blessing was yours in theory. You're simply actualizing. If you could imagine it in, in these terms, a person has a bank account and wishes to withdraw funds. As long as there are funds in the account, it's his wealth, but he has to extract it. A blessing means that I'm entitled to certain gifts from God Almighty, and everybody is given different gifts. Not everybody is given all gifts. Some people are given the gift of wealth. Some people are given the gift of health. Some people are given the gift of longevity. Some people are given the gift of children. We would all like to have all blessings. But as far as blessings are, go- are concerned, everybody has different blessings. And actualizing those blessings is not considered extreme. It's simply materializing what's been given to us potentially in a spiritual way and asking for the blessing actualizes it. And then there are things which a person has not been blessed with. That individual person was not given all blessings, whatever those blessings were. So a new idea is invoked. That's called prayer. Prayer is the capacity to cry out from this depth that I described before as Chana prayed, that you can only cry out with this degree of depth if it touches you that deeply. You can't artificially invoke it. If you want something which, is, which you are not meant to be blessed with, it has to touch you in such a deep place within yourself 
that when you cry out from that place of depth, it touches a parallel depth on high, so to speak. And the expression which is used is Yehiratzon. Yehiratzon doesn't mean it should be the will of God. It means we should create the will of God. A human being has the power through prayer. But a prayer that's incredibly heartfelt. And again, it can't be heartfelt if it's about something which is not very moving to one's heart to create a new will on high. But this is the exception to the rule. This means that I'm not only actualizing the blessings that God Almighty gave me that I'm, so to speak, entitled to based on my neshama and based on my life's trajectory and based on my purpose. But I want something more. I want something different. And a person has the ability through prayer to create a new will in a Kaddish